Hello, I'm Ellie Warden. Welcome to the Heart to Mind Transformation Station, sharing stories related to the importance of building legacies that lead to greater health and wealth within your family. Come on, get on board. Well, here we are, another absolutely wonderful day, and we have lovely, lovely information to share with you about generational wealth during today's Heart to Mind Legacy Transformation Station. I'm your host, Ellie Wharton, and I am so pleased to have my co-host today, JP, who is the CEO of Unheard Media, and I'm telling you, she is involved in so many other fascinating projects. That could be a show all in itself. JP, what's happening with you today? Oh, I'm I'm excited. Thank you so much for the warm welcome. I'm excited because we have one of my favorite people uh, on with us today as a, a guest. So what's going on in my world is, uh, you know, Unheard TV. We're in our second season. So uh, we're, you know, banging out new episodes every Wednesday on Roku, as well as ABC 30 in St. Louis. And actually our guest, uh, Cortez Springer, a.k.a. Mr. Cortez Hustle, and y'all of find out why his name is Cortez Hustle shortly. Uh, he's part of that, the, the panel as well, but this man has consistently, since we've come in contact, been all about building legacy, wealth, and passing on education. So I'm super excited to have Cortez on with us today. And so without further ado, welcome Mr. Cortez Hustle. Cortez, like, let the audience know a little bit about you before we start getting all into business with our questions. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Thank you so much, JP, for having me. I am a Cortez Springer, also known as Cortez Hustle. Uh, basically, fourth born of six children, raised by a single mom on welfare who uh, struggled financially, and as a result, had to learn how to get out and hustle at an early age in St. Louis. I don't know who's listening, but in St. Louis, we have these places called White Houses, right? And uh, when I was a kid, I remember when you used to be able to go and get a box of rice for 90 cents. And we had three boys and three girls in the family. And mom would literally buy a box for the boys and a box for the girls. And I don't know if you guys know about splitting a half order of rice between three people, especially three growing boys. But that's how we grew up. But also, that meant mom wouldn't eat. So I figured if I could figure out how to pump some gas or maybe clean someone's garage or basement, if I could at least feed myself, then maybe she would be able to eat. So those are the circumstances that I grew up in uh, right over there in Wellington, just west of St. Louis City. And from an early age, I realized that you got to take control of your own financial destiny. And fortunately for us, we're living in America, which creates a vehicle for us to be able to do that. So I started my journey as a young entrepreneur trying to figure out how to feed myself. And then ultimately, I wanted to grow to a place where I can share this knowledge with other people. That's fantastic. That is fantastic. That is, I mean, Cortez, is, listening to you, man, makes me want to get out there and, and, and just continue to do the hustle because what you're saying is exactly what we're talking about here on the Heart to Mind Legacy Transformation Station is looking at the opportunities that we have and then seizing upon them. And that's what it seems like mm-hmm. you're doing, you know, with the audience that you have. Yes, that's exactly yeah. right. I'm a solutions-oriented person, right? Uh, if we're talking about the problems, you got the wrong guy. But if you want to talk solutions, then that's what I'm here for. We really bantered and 
uh, pontificated, as uh, Dr. George Frazier say, about the problems that we face as black people in America enough. Uh, at some point, we've got to get to the place of offering some solutions. And I feel that we have enough intellectual capital if we just put our heads together, we could really make something special happen. And that's why I'm, I'm so freely sharing with any content that I come across as it relates to business or wealth building. Yeah, yeah. I want to segue to that because that's one of the things that um, made me really tune into to Cortez and his content is he talked about the intellectual aspect right. of building a legacy. So Cortez, you, you mentioned a little bit about growing up and, you know, your mindset and, you know, really trying to help your mom and that, that's where it started. But really uh, talk about the details of really what made the light bulb go off. Right. So, you know, you're, you're a family man and the whole nine, like what, what was the, you know, the point where you were just like, okay, like I really got to accelerate on this. Right. Cause you start to learn things or you see things. And so you're just like, okay, I'm going to do better. Right. And you take a couple yeah. of steps to doing better. But what made you say, okay, it's race car track time. It's time to accelerate. Talk to us about that journey. It's kind of like, you know, yeah, when you get sick was... and tired of being sick and tired, mm-hmm. you know, you, you get to that point. Right. Absolutely. Well, well, there were two major turning points in my life, JP. Right out of high school, uh, I was dating a a young lady who was still in high school, and her dad asked me to drive him to Pinckneyville, Illinois, because they didn't have a vehicle, and she was thinking about going to college in that that small town over in Illinois. So uh, I didn't know, but he was going to take me to meet my first millionaire. So we drive over to Pickneyville, Illinois, and we were just talking back and forth. You know, he was going to pick up some money because this guy was really influential in helping her get to, to school over there. And we're driving, and we get to this, this dirt road, and we turn up the dirt road, and we're driving maybe two or three minutes, and the guy stops the car. He's in a Mercedes-Benz in front of us. I'm in a 88 Buick LeFevre, right? Sitting it up on one side. But, but nevertheless, he stops the car, and he gets out, and he comes back to us and he says, how do you guys like my front yard? Now, keep in mind, we had been driving for two minutes on this dirt road. And what he was saying is, all of this is his land, right? So we drive another two minutes up the road and we finally get to the clearing where the house actually sits. And the minute we pulled up, there's another Mercedes-Benz driving around the yard and it's his 12-year-old daughter playing around in a Mercedes-Benz in the yard. He gives us a tour of the house, and we get to one hallway, and he says, Cortez, have you ever run 40-yard dash? I'm like, I'm sure I have. And he said, well, if you go from this place to the other end of that hall, that's 40 yards. And I got to see what a, a picture of what real wealth looks like, right? And that was about 18 or 19 years old. And then fast forward, Another seven, eight years uh, uh, from then, I was introduced to a group of wealthy men who were committed to teaching financial principles to the black community. And that's where I took the dream of being wealthy and actually having a game plan to actually pursue it. And I started executing myself, but then I also started teaching it at the same time because I believe and learn to teach. I don't have to wait till I cross the finish line to come back and teach. I could teach as I'm going along, and that's what I've been doing all the time. 
And it seems like it also helped that you had people that looked like you. So you were able to, yeah. to you know, relate to that. So often, you know, uh, growing up in this country, that was what we did not see was people who looked like us. And so we never felt that we could achieve those things. So you saw it, you were there, you touched it, you tasted it, you smelled it, you knew it was possible, and then you moved forward on it. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's a huge component because a good mentor is not only where you want to be, but they also want where you are. And the brothers that I got a chance to meet they all come from poverty, and they were able to grow to an immense, uh, immense amount of wealth. So that let me know that I could start from where I am and end up where they are. And they were so relatable to my journey at where I was because they were familiar with it. They were in uh, the clutches of poverty as young men around my age, and they basically had a blueprint on how to move from there to the next level, and that's what I've been following for the last seven, almost eight years now. So, so what method are you really using to reach uh, young audiences and to teach them about wealth building and generational wealth? So hard to reach them these days. I think it is, and you got to meet them where they are, and uh, this is where social media really plays a big role in getting the message out to the masses, not just social media, but the Internet in general has literally leveled the playing field in terms of being able to communicate in mass, right? It, it was Marcus Garvey who talked a lot about us not owning media as well as Dr. Claude Anderson. He said, if you don't own media, then you cannot communicate. When you can't communicate, you can't organize. And when you can't organize, you can't mobilize. Well, the advent of the internet and these social media platforms that now live on top of them give us the ability to communicate, organize, and mobilize at the touch of a button, right? So I've been communicating and organizing a community around the simple idea that building wealth from scratch is possible. Now it's time for the mobilization of that organized community, and that's where partnerships with uh, people like JP come in is because now that we have a community organized, now we can better mobilize them into the pathway of building generational wealth. So the internet and social media are two of the primary ways that I am really pushing the message forward to a daily podcast and, of course, daily content via YouTube, blogging, and other forms of general content that just makes people think about wealth. Because as you know, as a person thinks, that's who they become. And if you don't see messages around wealth, you don't see positive messages often, sometimes it's very easy to get fall into the belief that this is all life has to offer you. So these platforms allow you to disseminate tons of information uh, very seamlessly and easily to really direct the message into the hearts and the minds of the people who are following you. So those are the primary platforms that I mean to reach the message. That's amazing. That's amazing. Anytime we're, we're coming from an angle of, you know, let's educate, mobilize, there are myths and hearsay and, you know, everything in between. And you talk about two to three of those myths that you hear and see on the regular and how you're helping to dispel those, those myths in the community. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. For us, JP, mass media has done a fantastic job. And that's why I study media the way that I do is because they are masters at manipulation and mind control. And they have us all believing that 90% of wealthy people have been born with a silver spoon in their mouth. So think about just that process. If I think that 90% of all people who have any amount of wealth had that money passed down to them, to them from their family, and then I look at my mom who raises on welfare who doesn't have any wealth to pass down to me, by default, I assume that there's no way for me to get wealthy. Well, that's a myth, JP. There's only about 8.7% of wealthy people that truly are trust fund babies or come from old money, right? 80% of all wealthy people today are first-generation wealthy, meaning they did not, they were not born with a ton of money. They built something within uh, 20 to 40 years that put them in position of wealth. Now, if we look at that, that should change things in the mindset of people. Wait a minute. Everybody wasn't that wealthy was not born that way. 80% of the people who are wealthy today got it out the mud. So that increases my odds of becoming wealthy because if they could do it, then I could do it. And here's another myth that a lot of people don't understand about wealthy people. We tend to believe that wealthy people are hoarders of information. Well, that's not true either because all wealthy people will spend hours and hours and hours sharing with you how they obtain their wealth. But they do have a caveat. They're not going to share it with you if you don't intend to do anything with it. But if you're out there trying and you're out there pursuing and you're putting forth the actions, I don't know a wealthy person, and I've been around quite a few, that have not literally sat for hours answering questions about the pathway to building wealth. They are so generous with their time when they can see that people have a genuine yearning to learn and to grow into those positions. So those are two major myths that I like to try to bust is that, A, most wealthy people are first-generation wealthy, meaning they got it out of the mud, and B, uh, wealthy people are willing to share that information if you are willing to go outside of your comfort zone and get into their presence. And I think the last thing I want to say on that, JP, is that we have to be careful how we see wealthy people. A lot of us despise wealthy people because, again, that's another trick of the media. And if you're not careful, what you have to understand is your subconscious mind will never allow you to become that which you despise. So if out of one side of your mouth, you're saying, oh, wealthy people are snobs, they're jerks, I hate wealthy people. And out of the other side of your mouth, you're saying, one day I'm going to be one. Your subconscious mind is like, no, you ain't, because that means you'll have to despise yourself. So it'll never let you become that which you despise. So we've got to be careful about that as well. Those are some excellent points that you are bringing out. Uh, those myths are so true, because as we continue to do that self, that self-speak, you know, oh, they had all the money. That's why they're ahead. Oh, they have this, you know, and we, so what we're doing is negating our own energy by looking at mm-hmm. that, which has already happened. So those are excellent myths that you have busted up. And I hope people really pay attention to that, especially our young people, because, you know, too often 
because what we have done in the past, we've tried to generate and create a very safe uh, journey for our kids. I mean, those of us that have reached middle class, we, 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 you know, like you, you know, you don't want your kids to have to suffer through what you suffer through. So you give them more. But now mm-hmm. they expect that everything comes immediately. Well, gosh, why should yeah. I have to go take a course? Why should I have to invest for several years? Why should I have to do this? When I see those guys on TV, they seem like they got it overnight. How do you mm-hmm. reach that young mm-hmm. mindset and kind of begin to change it that, you know what, this is this is a journey. This is not a marathon. I mean, well, it is a marathon. You keep going and going and going. You know, it's not a sprint. Right. Yeah, it, it's funny and, and it's difficult, but I don't think one of the challenges have been we've been trying to reach them all at one time. And I think that's the that's point. Uh, I was just listening to Steve Harvey on the Earn Your Leisure podcast talk about if young people marry the work ethic, integrity, and tenacity of our parents and grandparents with the technology that they have today and a little bit of patience, we'd all be stupid, crazy, wealthy. But to your point, they do want it right now. And I think understanding that success is a journey and not a destination understanding that success is something that you attract and not something that you pursue. I think those are the messages that we really have to get across, right? Jerome says you attract success by becoming attractive, becoming a successful person. And uh, another mentor of mine put it this way. He said, in order for you to become a seven-figure entrepreneur, you got to become a seven-figure human being. So I think going back to the basic foundations of the things that create success is what we have to get the young people to attach themselves to. You got to become internally the being that's capable of doing the activities that will allow you to have the things that you ultimately want to have. You got to be, do, have that we can teach them about becoming the journey of becoming wealthy in the mindset first, in the habit first, then doing the actions will become second nature, and then becoming successfully wealthy is just a byproduct of who you've become and the habits that you've created for yourself. That's powerful. Oh, that's, perfect. <laughs> that's really powerful, isn't it, JP? Yeah, and that, that actually segues, again, right into my next question question which is you mentioned one the most powerful thing powerful thing you have is mindset so my question is what are five things that people can do to get ready for the journey and the marathon because it it, it literally is just that but what is your what are your top five things that people can do this to to prep right so the light bulb goes off and they say you know what i can do this too right Where, where do they start I think you start with a morning routine. Uh, my morning routine consists of gratitude first, uh, some sort of physical fitness regimen, get out my out of the bed and get my body moving. Uh, and then you start paying attention to the things that you consume. So I think you start with a solid morning routine. I'm going to say this about a morning routine. Most people think that it's got to be 4 o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning. I think a good morning routine is if you get in the habit of waking up 
90 minutes to two hours before your day actually starts, I think that's a good habit, right? I had a habit of literally rolling out of bed 24 minutes before it was time to go to work. Why? Because I knew exactly how long it took me to get ready and get to work, right? And now my whole day is in a rush. But when I started getting up a couple hours before I literally had to do anything, then that freed my mind. I was able to slow down and breathe. So I definitely think a good morning routine helps. I think you are who you are because of three things. The books you read or the content you consume, the places you go, and the people you associate with. So I believe number three, four, and five, I mean two, three, and four would be change the things that you consume. Whether you're reading, listening to podcasts such as this, whether you are watching documentaries on people, biographies, and things of that nature, I am so into all of that stuff. Because I want to see, going back to the mindset, like I'm building a multi-billion dollar international media conglomerate that will one day surpass Ted Turner and Walt Disney, but I can't do it behaving like they are behaving now, or the people who are running those institutions are behaving now. I've got to go back to figure out the mindset they had while they were building. And that's what we got to do. So change the books you read and the content you consume. You got to change the places you go. I sit on the panel with uh, Dr. Elias McCarthy, and he talked about how most black people do the same thing every week. They might, the, the, the marquee on the spot that they hang out might change, but it's basically the same atmosphere. And he said, while you're going to the same type of atmosphere, paying to get into a club, a cover charge, paying for drinks, paying to listen to music and all that kind of stuff, on the other side of town, there's a free charitable event with free drinks, with free food, with better conversations around people that connect you. So the places you go is critical. And then the people you associate with. This is the hardest one uh, to really change and implement, but it's so critical because you are the sum of the closest people that you hang around most often. The problem with changing your associations, though, JP, is that a lot of the people that you might need to get out of your life or get away from, they are people who've seen you and helped you through some of your darkest moments. So to leave those people behind naturally makes you feel guilty. So that's why we tend to hang on to relationships that no longer serve us or the person that we are trying to become. So it gets difficult to walk away from certain people in certain environments because of the nostalgia that comes along with it. So good morning routine, change the books that you read or the content you consume, change the places you go, get uncomfortable and in different environments where people have different conversations which challenges you to think. Change the people that you associate with and then I would probably say uh, number five would be to listen and take action on some of the information that you're hearing in these new conversations, that you're hearing on these new podcasts, that you're reading about in these new books. Sometimes we become information uh, orders and we just get the information and never do anything with it. So if you have started the morning routine, you change your, your, the content you consume, the places you go, the people you hang out with, now it's start time to start taking action towards your goal and remember that Failure is a part of the process. A lot of times we'll start taking action, 
it doesn't work out the way we want it to, and then we'll revert back. No, extract the lesson from that failure and apply the new knowledge to the next attempt, and you keep moving down that path. So those would be five things that I would encourage anyone to do, trying to radically transform themselves into a new being, because we are human beings, not human doings. you got to be first, then you start doing different things and different habits, and they'll lead you to having more than you thought you could. Everything that you said is exactly, I mean, I love it too, GP, right on target. It goes back to, if you, you know, for those of us that were, you know, grew up in the church, what was one of the first things that they always told us? You know, guard the mind, guard the mind. Mm -hmm. And even Mm -hmm. back then we used to kind of laugh at that, like, oh yeah, okay, ha ha ha. But as we get older, we really see the value of guarding the mind. Mm -hmm. Like you said, you know, what are you reading? What are you ingesting? What are you taking in? Because what you're taking in is what you're giving out. Mm -hmm. And Mm then that also attracts different things. What you're putting out there in the universe attracts different things. So if you're the kind of person that you're always wondering, why is all of the, you know, the stuff happening to me? (laughs) You know, not the good stuff mm-hmm. either. You know what kind of stuff I'm talking about. Right. Why is it mm-hmm. always happening to me? People tend to want to look at the outside and blame the outside influences versus looking at themselves and saying, what kind of energy am I giving off? So therefore, what am mm-hmm. I attracting to myself? Excellent, excellent points. I know you're going to be a coach. You're coaching on this, aren't you? You're teaching people how to understand this, right? I am to a, to a degree where, where I can. I do it through my podcast primarily and my daily content things of that nature. Uh, I am looking to get more involved locally in the community with organizations that align with this type of messaging and to be of any sort of value that I can in the local community as well. But it, it is critically important to understand that everything begins in the mindset. And uh, the, the universe does not know how to say no. All the universe does is say yes, right? You say you want to do something. The words that come out of your mouth are so powerful. And a lot of people don't realize this, that the minute you say it, then the universe literally starts to bend to your will to bring that into your reality. And in fact, they call it the reticulating, activating system, where you start seeing the things that align up with what you're saying. Most people don't have a handle on what they're saying, though. So they're saying, man, I'm broke as a joke. They're saying, oh, man, this stuff is expensive. Oh, man, I can never afford to eat there. So the universe is just in full agreement. Yes, you are broke as a joke. Yes, you can never afford to eat there. Yes, that stuff is expensive. So what happens is your reticulated activating system show you manifestations of what you're saying to validate that which you already believe. So when you say, man, I, there's no resources, St. Louis is a crabs in a barrel type city, well, you, you literally start seeing that everywhere because that's what you already believe. So your subconscious mind is just showing you validation of what you already believe so that you believe it more. Yeah, right. But the minute you start saying, I can attract well, I am strong, I am sharp, I am beautiful, then you walk down the street and somebody's oh, man, that's a nice shirt you got on. Why? Because the universe is trying to validate the new belief. So we got to be careful with what we say and what we believe and surround ourselves with the right people and in the right environment. And it, it can literally change the game for us. 
Well, that is definitely the word for the wise. I hope that our listeners are paying attention to that. I hope that the young people that you're coaching pay attention to that because it is the thing that's going to give us the impetus to go forward. And we could talk all day. I've got to have you back on the show again. JP, please book this gentleman on our show again, because he's dropping some knowledge. It's what we need to hear. It's what we're about here at Heart to Mind Legacy Transformation Station. We believe people need to get on board. They, they have to get on board. And JP, what's the last word from what you're doing? I know you're doing a bunch of stuff. Oh, yeah. So, you know what? One, one of the things I'm proud of that I'm doing is, you know, connecting with people like Cortez. He has a, a show on the channel, Black Biz Success, and it is phenomenal. Again, uh, new episodes drop every Wednesday, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. And so... That's what it's about. It's about empowering people, preparing people to, to change the game, to build legacies that build legacies. So that, that's really what it's about for me and anything that I'm touching right now. Excellent. Well, Cortez Springer, thank you so much for dropping the knowledge today. I would say it's more than you dropped like gold nuggets. I mean, they were just raining down on us. And we certainly appreciate that. And JP, appreciate your associations and your collaboration on on this program. We want to thank our listeners. We want you to come on and get on board with the Heart to Mind Legacy Transformation Station. We believe that you have to change your heart. You have to change your mind. Then you have to transform into something that's going to be what you want it to be. Is that right, folks? Come on, get on board. That is it. We ask you to listen next week. And thanks so much for this week's time and attention. This has been the Heart to Mind Transformation Station. I hope you enjoyed today's program. You can also find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Tune in again next week.